the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 155 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. Uh, We'll do some Twitter plugs, X plugs, whatever, at Justin Hughes 365. That's where I am at. Andrew is at AMCQ82. And our Baseball 365 Podcast official Twitter account is at Baseball365Pod. Last week, we survived the terrible AL Central. And this week's episode is going to be a lot more fun. Andrew and I are going to be talking about the National League Central. I'll have at least three, and in most of these teams, it seems like it's like four, five, six topics that we have to discuss on each team. I try to keep it at three, but there is so much going on in this league. This is probably going to be a long one. All right, Andrew, uh, let's get you on. How many teams in this division, just a baseball question, do you think could actually win the division this next year? I think all of them other I, I'd be pretty surprised if Pittsburgh did but um yeah I think the other four definitely could yeah I think I agree uh that's where I was landing is you know four of the five I hard to imagine Pittsburgh but I mean still that it's it's an open division that's for sure it's gonna yeah. it's gonna be a fun one here because it does feel like there's a lot of teams that could could shoot up i mean the cardinals finished in last they could i mean i don't think either of us would be surprised with them cubs brewers reds and then the pirates at least are interesting right now if anything else there's interesting things going on in pittsburgh so they're fun to talk about yeah definitely i totally agree i i'd be surprised if they won it but yeah they've got interesting pieces yes so we're going to start off talking about the Brewers who won the division this last year. They finished 92-70, and 70 and uh, they were bounced by Arizona in two games. So it was not a it was a quick uh, run for them in the playoffs, and then they were just gone. And they've lost Woodruff for 2024. What needs to happen for them to get back to the playoffs next year? Um, I think they, I think they could pretty easily, just given the division and stuff. I mean, they need to fill in the gaps a little bit with their pitching. But yeah, still a good team, strong team, and should be the favorite to win the division next year again. Right now, yes. Yeah. Now the scary part for like, I felt ter- I felt bad for their fans just hearing what the rumors started circulating on Thursday. Uh, Woodruff, you know, is out for the year. They uh, Craig Council has gone on to go manage your Cubs. We'll get to that a little later on. But rumors are circulating that they're virtually open. Like, they're virtually anyone, they are open to trading right now. And it, it just seems weird to hear something like that. I know they lost Woodruff, but the rest of the team's all still there. Like, why would they do this? Yeah, it does seem strange. I mean especially given the context of the division. So curious to see what they do this off season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope they don't tear down. I just think that's a bad, that's a bad look in my opinion, given I don't, I mean, they're the favorites to win the division right now still. So getting into the baseball end, the business end, their opening day payroll on Cots baseball contracts was 118 million. And right now it's projected at 110. 
So maybe there's something to that because they've got money coming off the books and they still are pretty close already to what they spent last year. Uh, free agents off the team are Jesse Winker and his $7.25 million, uh, the abbreviated salary of Carlos Santana that they, ha- that they had, Andrew Chafin at $6.5 million, Eric Lauer at $5 million, Wade Miley 4.5, and Josh Donaldson popped up there when I was looking through. That was 720000 that he made there with them at the very end of the year. And you also can't forget Julio Tehran, who we both were taking at least, I know we both took at least once as an in-game pitcher in some March draft and holds. And he, his whopping $1.5 So those guys are off the books. It just, so, but... As I list all those, I don't think that there's a lot of impact players that really helped the team this last year, especially Jesse Winker. He was t- he was bad. Um, roster resource has their right rotation right now as Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Adrian Hauser, Colin Ray, and actually Robert Gasser, who did throw 135 innings in AAA this year and pitched pretty decent. Uh do you have any like insight? Like I was surprised he, after seeing all that, I was like, why didn't he get called up this last year? Yeah, I was a little surprised too. Uh, Miley was pitching really well. I mean, he had a really good season, um, but that doesn't mean he couldn't have filled in at the back end. Mm-hmm. You know, Ray pitched okay, and but yeah, there was definitely opening. So yeah, I was I kind of was expecting him to be up, and it just never happened. Do you think they'll give them a shot this next year? Get, knowing they're already close to, like, payroll-wise, they 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 really could use some cheap options. Do you think he's ready? I, yeah, I would I would think so. I mean, why not? It's not not openings here, especially with Woodruff out. So, I would definitely think they'd give him a look. Yeah, agreed. But but like you said, I think they could use adding a pitcher at least getting one of them in there if anything else just to have a little insurance in case it's he's not ready or somebody like that um let's move on to corbin burns uh looking at him he had his lowest k rate in 2023 at 9.29 k's per nine and this is now a four-year trend of him moving down well, I guess I should say three years in a row it's been down. It was 13.27 in his abbreviated 2020 season. That was the 60-game shortened season. And 21, it was 12.61, so still incredibly dominant. And it was just like last year it was 10.83, which was a pretty big drop there, but, you know, still really good. And this year it was 9.29K per nine, so he's a lot closer to a strikeout an inning now as compared to where he was closer to one and a half just a couple of years ago. Uh, what is your level of concern for him going into 2024? He's still being drafted as a second-round pitcher here. I haven't thought too hard about it. I mean, he's going as the third pitcher off the board right about – Actually, I, I don't have this updated, so I need to refresh. But, yeah, second round, like, two, three turn. Or, sorry, I'm, I had the 27.25, I just pulled it 27, up. yeah, yeah. So 20 drafts, late second. Um, 
I what? How many pitchers would you take ahead of him? I was just looking, and it's it's probably more than Strider, Strider, and Cole. Yep. And then Castillo, Wheeler, I would take over him. Gosman, I I think I'd take over him. I I'm wouldn't. Gonna, I wouldn't take Gosman over. I think I would. I would definitely take Wheeler over him, but that's about it for me. And like that's it in terms of for sure. The other mm-hmm. guys I'd have to think about, but gee, yeah, I mean, so when it's level of concern, it's like I don't know. I mean, he's still still a stud pitcher, you know. It, if you want to take the other guys there, I guess it's fine. I mean, it's but. I get a little nervous whenever I just keep seeing this trending down. I'm like, what if it takes another step down with the stuff? And that's why, like, the, yeah. the walks keep going up, the strikeouts keep dropping down. The, you know, the expected ERA was still 3.4 despite all that. So there is that. I mean, he pretty much pitched, like, his ERA and expected ERA ended up at the exact same. And to his credit, he is good at eating, I mean, like, 193 and 202 innings the last two years. So, yeah, I don't think I could go any further down. I'll say that than um, right there at the Gosman Gallon area. Uh, I, I mean, when you get down to the next group, you're at Kirby and Glass now and Pablo Lopez. I don't think I don't think I could move them any further. So even as I sit here and express concern, I think that's about as far as I can go down on them. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I mean, I don't think it's crazy if you want to take those few guys that you mentioned ahead of him no i think he's closer to that than he is the top now like i uh, i'll say that then i think that i yeah. guess the adp dictates that i mean cole and strider are nine and 12 and he's 27 and those guys are all like between 30 and 39 the rest of the guys there yeah i'm with you on that all right uh let's talk about the new hot shiny toy that's going to be debuting some point next year and that's Jackson Churio or I should say he should be like everybody assumes he will be played 122 games in double a this year he tore it up in the second half played six games in triple a in September and Andrew I want you to throw a dart here what's the exact date he makes his debut in the majors Uh, I will say June 10th. You know, I hadn't thought about this until, like, I thought about it when I wrote the question. I hadn't thought about it much since, and I was like, June 15th, and then I was like, maybe June 10th. And then you literally, right <laughs> as I said June 10th in my head, you said it. <laughs> so just because of that, I'll say June 15th, Butch, but, but that means we're pretty much thinking the same here. Yeah. I think, yep. I think a lot of it depends on how those other bats are doing too. I mean, you know, yeah. if everybody, if they're playing well, like if Garrett Mitchell's healthy and he's playing well and oh, let's see, they got Yelich, he's healthy. And who's the third guy? I'm blanking on the third guy. Oh, South. Uh, Frelick, yep. Yeah. If those guys are all playing well, maybe it's, it, maybe it, it's pushed back. But I mean, between the three, you'd think like, I think that, there's a good chance one of them's either hurt or not playing up to expectations to where I could see it being earlier, but it's just, I think there's a wide range of outcomes for him. So ADP of 216, do you think you'll be biting at that then? I, I would imagine if we're both thinking June, that might be a bit early for us. 
Yeah, I I think he's probably a guy that I'll grab him in one or two drafts that he happens to slip. Um, I wouldn't mind having a share or two, but I I feel like I have enough questions with him in terms of when he'll actually be up and then how good he'll actually be right away. I don't know. Like you're, you're not getting a ton of discount here. I mean, among, at least amongst prospects, he's going, like you said, what did you say? 216 was his ADP in the two drafts I've been in. He's gone closer to 150. So, yeah, I mean, if he's going closer to the ADP, maybe I would jump in. But I, I don't think you can expect any – or when you're doing it, like if you're drafting him, I don't think – I think you have to have a plan for the very beginning of the season because I think it's a guy that they could easily just take their time with a little bit because of those guys that you mentioned. Obviously, if there's injuries or something happens – I mean, I, he could force their hand too. He's obviously talented enough. Mm-hmm. But uh, he could force the hand in spring training. Yeah, yeah, he could. He definitely could, and he has the talent to wipe away, you know, blow away this this price, even if it's on the high end for sure. But yeah, I just wonder about it a little bit, and it's uh, it's not a prospect that's flying under the radar at all, you know. So yeah, I'm not. There will be other prospects I have more shares of. Put it that way. Yeah, I was more confident it might be earlier a couple months ago than I am now. But, I mean, if he goes out there and has the Jordan Walker-type spring training that Walker was having at the like at the beginning of spring training, I mean, all bets are off. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, they've got Tyrone Taylor at DH. He's not good. Mm-hmm. And Mitchell, Mitchell obviously is in a picture of health. So <clears throat> you could see it. I mean, it's... There, there should be opportunities there. I just wonder a little bit about how aggressive they'll get, especially if it's not loud, loud in spring training. You know, it's scary to take a fourteenth, fifteenth round player who may not be up till June. I mean, that's just the, it, it's a risk. I mean, yeah, that, that's a that's a third of the season, or maybe forty percent of the season. That's just a nothing if that's the case. Yeah. So concerning South Relic and Garrett Mitchell, they both have ADPs really. Cl- pretty close to each other uh 307 right now for sal frelick uh garrett mitchell 331 so they're both basically you know fifth outfielders if you were at the end of your active rounds there like the 20th 21st round and those guys were up there straight up which one would you rather have i think this is an interesting question because between one of them seeming like the better hitter versus the one that's got the bigger tools yeah, I think they should go pretty close together. Um, in the draft I'm in now, I actually drafted Mitchell, and Frelick had gone. Oh, it was about 25 picks before, maybe. So they went pretty close. I probably would have taken Frelick, but I don't feel strongly about it. Like they, Mitchell's got the louder tools, more speed upside. Um, I think Frelick is probably more likely to stick and just stick in the lineup and play. But 
Yeah, it's it's guessing too. You know, it could just be the hot hand type of thing. So I don't mind either one of them where they're going. They're I think they're both going in pretty fair spot, and um, I think they both should play quite a bit at least to start. And you know, maybe one of them struggles or something, and that's how Churio gets in there. But yeah, I don't mind either one. I think they're fine. I'd probably slightly prefer Frelick, but it's it's close. In a draft and hold, I'd rather have Frelick. And I think in a league with transactions and ads and drops, I'm probably more likely to take Mitchell because you could, you know, at bats matter more for a draft and hold. And I might, I might just stick with the safety there because I, I, yeah, I think that's the way I'd word it. Uh, reserve round prospects who could debut in 2024 for the Brewers. We, I've got four of them here to ask you about, um, lump them all together here. Tyler Black at ADP of 453, Robert Gasser, who we previously mentioned at 484, Jacob Mizorowski at 559, and Carlos Rodriguez with, um, a 699, so in-game pitcher. Any of those four interest you at those price, or how many of them do? Yeah, I actually, I think the pitchers are all pretty interesting. Uh, specifically, and I mentioned this kind of with the Braves, but when there's issues at the back of the rotation, I'm always kind of, especially on good teams, I'm always kind of looking for who can break in and potentially make some starts, even the whole season. And I think these guys are all pretty interesting at these prices because there should be openings, at least as of now. And, you know, we'll see. All it takes is you sign a big name or you do this or that. And all of a sudden those openings close up. I don't know if the Brewers are going to do that. So there may be opportunities for a couple of these guys. But, yeah, I think they're all going at fair prices and kind of like all of them, really. And if they blow it up, I mean, Corbin Burns, I think, is coming into the last year of his deal. So there could even be more openings if right. they were to decide yeah. to move him. I like Tyler Black, too. I think, I you know, he's one that ran like crazy this year. And I've I've heard that he's not quite the, like, he's not some burner on the bases. But I like, I like how, like, he's really good at taking walks. Some people say he might be a little too passive which we'll see when he gets up. But I just, I like the hit tool. I like the power speed combo that he provides. I th- I think I'd be in on him, I guess like 30th, 31st around there. I think I, I'd be in on him at that price. Um, One other guy to mention, just as I was looking at ADPs, scrolling down here, Keston Hira, Andrew, 709 ADP. He's still <laughs> out there. <laughs> Man, it's, I don't know. Fall from grace, huh? I don't know if anybody's fallen harder in the last four years that isn't like an older veteran than Keston here. I I don't I don't know if I could think of one. Sad story. Yeah, I I remember I remember some dynasties where he was going like round two, round three. Yeah. He was a top thirty player. I actually traded him in the baseball three sixty five day, daily dynasty league. Uh like twenty nineteen he debuted I traded him that winter in some big deal. I I ended up getting like I traded him and Bo Pichette, and I got um, back Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. And hmm. yeah, that I didn't expect. I worked out. Yeah, yeah. That, I lucked out. 
I didn't have any questions about Hero. It was more about just trying to get Tatis, and yeah, that didn't go well for the other guy. That's the uh, I tell you, that's he's kind of a good example of when you talk about defense mattering for fantasy. It's like that's the risk with bad defenders, and he was always a bad defender. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, you just get less opportunities, and he had. It was always like the bat would carry him, but once it doesn't, if you don't have the defense to fall back on, you're just going to lose your spot. I mean, and yep. that's what's happened. Then that's that's a good story. To, that's kind of what goes with the I think it's Vaughn, Vaughn or what the Atlanta guy, the Atlanta. Um, oh, Vaughn Grissom. Yeah, Vaughn Grissom. I couldn't remember his name. Same story. Good good hitter, but whenever you can't play defense and they've got a you know, second baseman named Ozzy Albies. It's just, there's nowhere to go for you. All right, let's move on to the Cubs, 83 and 79, finished second place in the division. And a lot of excitement around this team. They have a, had a payroll in 2022 of 143 million. 2023 is 184 million. And going into this year, it's projected right now to be at 169. Uh, they lost a couple notable free agents with Marcus Stroman, who opted out. He made $23 million this last year. And Cody Bellinger opted out, made $17.5. Heimer Candelario at $5 million, Michael Fulmer at 4 Andrew, this is your team. So I thought I'd just ask you, starting off, what's your level of off, uh, optimism going into this offseason? And what are you hoping they do between now and opening day? Um, I'm definitely optimistic. I, uh, it was kind of cool to see them at least be in the running, have a shot. Uh, I still wish they would have traded Stroman, like I said, but, or like I said that since middle of last year, but yeah, I, I like the team. I like the council thing, you know, the council hiring, and um, they're, they're, they definitely need pitching, though. I Every team, gosh, I feel like we go through these teams, and it's just every team needs pitching. Some more than others, obviously, but the Cubs definitely need to add a pitcher. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up their rotation right now. I actually don't. Like... It's uh, Steel, Steel, or at least as of right now on roster resource, Steel, Tyon, Kyle Hendricks, Jordan Wicks, and Javier Assad. Yeah, they got. They definitely could use one more big name pitcher to come in there. Probably like an ace to come in there, or you could say a co-ace to be up there with Steele. Steele had a heck of a year, but also can't guarantee he's going to do that again. Um, yeah, there's just there's between that repeating and Tyon's health, and oh yeah, it could. I feel like it could get ugly real quick. They need they need more. Was David Ross, like, I was surprised to see him go. I thought he had done a pretty good job. Were you surprised to see him go? I was shocked. Yeah. I, I When I saw that, I didn't know what it even meant at first. I was like, are they hiring him as a manager? Like, what is going on here, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I figured they were, but I was like, what are they doing with Ross? I just was surprised. Now I do think that council's an upgrade on Ross. Like I think council's one of the better managers. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I like the move. Like I think 
long term. It's a good move for the team. Uh, but I was surprised to see Ross let go for sure. Uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, let's move on to him. Do you think he's on the opening day roster? He did get 13 games in and the bigs at the very end of the year there. I sure hope so. I mean, Mike Talkman. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I would, yeah, I would think. I, I think it's more likely he is than he isn't. I, but yeah, he should be. Yeah, I'm surprised Roster Resource doesn't even already have him there, but. Right now they don't, but obviously that's not the be-all end-all and yeah, the whole offseason yeah. go through. Uh, moving on, Kate Horton threw 88 innings between low A, high A, and double A, and right now his ADP amongst uh, the Cubs starters is third on the team at 401, just behind Steele and Tyon. I say just, but behind Steele and Tyon. Um, what are your thoughts on his price and when he could debut? Yeah, I like it. I took him in my first draft, and I I think he's one that could definitely help the rotation. It's hard to completely count on it from a pitcher that hasn't even debuted yet, but all the signs are there. Like, he's was high, highly drafted and has pitched great in the minors, had a great season. So I expect him to help. I would say... Early in the year, probably call it like late April, early May. I think he'll be up pretty early. If that's the case, you would think they wouldn't be adding two multiple starting pitchers this offseason unless one of them is one of those guys that is a fringe starter, I should say. One of those types, yeah. like a Wade Miley or somebody. Yeah, maybe. It's it's hard to say, though, because I just don't – I don't think you can completely lean on – like what you expect Kate Horton to give you, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting with that. I hope he's up early because I think he's one of their. I think he's probably their second or third best pitcher, immediately. Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, he should be up pretty quick. I would think. All right, let's move on. I got Seiya Suzuki next that I wanted to talk about. I was looking at his production that he's had in the last two years, his first two years in the major, and he reminded me of a player that you and I were recently discussing that you took in your most recent NFBC draft, or I guess that would have been your first one. Or, wait, did you? No, you took him in your second draft, right? The one you currently have going on, Brandon Nemo? Yeah, my second one, yeah. So, looking at Nemo and Suzuki, I mean, the thing I landed on and I wanted to ask you about is, say a Suzuki, basically Nemo, except with a couple more steals? Uh, I've never I've never thought of it like that, really. I I think uh, Seiya has more power upside, and I definitely would I definitely would rather have him, but I think Nemo's undervalued, yeah. I mean, we had kind of talked about it. Um, but yeah, I like, I, I like both where they're going. I definitely would rather have say though. Okay. That's like this, like when I looked at them and I saw the Nemo with the ADP of 197 and Suzuki 118, it made me wonder, I was like, is Suzuki worth taking in the eighth round? So you still think it's a good pick in the eighth round? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, who's. I was trying to look at who was even going next to him. 
Suzuki. But yeah, I think I think that the high end for like the power to me is just different levels with those two. So, and, and obviously, and speed. And I mean, it's not like Say is bad. Say is just good across the board. He just does everything. Like there's not. I don't feel like he's really hurting you. I mean, Nimmo had a good year for power, mm-hmm. but I don't think you can count on 24 home runs. I mean, next season, you know, that does. And feel like the high yeah, end. yeah, right, right. Whereas I think that's more of like a normal projection for Saya, and a chance that he hits more. So yeah, I think there's a difference. But then again, that they're going 80 picks apart. So all right. Uh, Moving into the closers, has Albert? What do you Al- What do you think about those two? I mean, what, you obviously think they're comparable. Um, yeah, I thought they were pretty comparable. I do think what you bring a good point that that is the high end on power output for them. But yeah, I th- it it really more made me think, huh? Uh, like Nemo looks more attractive looking at that. When I look at the players around Suzuki, it's not like something to where I'm really gonna. What like, about what about like like Mullins and Suzuki? Yeah, they're the two that are right next to each other there with the ADP. Let me look at Mullins' year. I know he. I'll was, tell you right. I I'll tell you right now. I I would take Suzuki over Mullins for sure. And Mullins, I know, was in and out of the lineup a lot this year. Let's see. Yeah. Fifteen, nineteen batting average is down there, but obviously Mullins has dropped. Mullins has dropped. But I'm pretty sure I'm not going to have any shares of Mullins, even at this lower price. And I think a big thing with him that I don't like is now with that team the way it is, and I don't mean to get into this. Mm. He's obviously an AL East guy, but the um, I, I just think he's way more likely to not hit at the top of the lineup ever again or yeah. anytime soon, you know? And that's a big difference. You know, it's not like he's giving you RBI. I mean, you're kind of just banking on what power and speed, and I don't even feel like he really has a lot of power. So no, it, it's yeah, a launch I'm, angle I'm off, driven. I'm off Mullins. Yeah, I think but I I, just, I only mentioned them because they're right next to each other in the, mm-hmm. the list there. I think I'd rather have Suzuki unless I was just really in need of speed. I think that's the way I'd put it. And even then, I, I'd. Hopefully, I'm not in that position. I think I'm with you on Suzuki there. I I don't see a problem with him looking at the players around him. Like, uh, there's if you go around later, so you can get to like Springer, White, Langford, Evan Carter. That's the next range, and yeah, that that Suzuki seems like he's in the right spot. All right, um, has Albert uh, Albert Alzale? hard name for me to always say has he locked down that closers role going into 2024 do you think they might bring somebody in to take that job he had a good year man i've thought about this it's it's hard to say i tell you though and i know i've got you just you can read off your next question if you want about being comfortable taking him where he's going i don't think so not for me not right now um I'm not saying that I think as the season gets closer, if they haven't brought anyone in, I'll be open to taking him. But wouldn't shock you to see him bring. Oh man. Yeah. And I just, it's just a, it's a costly pick, you know, like what did he, 
what did you say, ninth, tenth? Yep. That was what you were saying. He's, and I'm trying to pull the board up, but um, yeah, it just feels like. Uh, and that's the thing with the closers, and why I just kind of like going for. Yeah, he went in the tenth in my current one. Um, he's not one that. I think is just completely locked in and you don't have to worry about, you know, mm-hmm. and for where he's going, it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. Maybe if he's not the closer, but all of a sudden, if you're just looking at like a, a good arm that doesn't have that role. And I know he's made starts in the past. I mean, who knows? They could probably use him in different ways, but I don't know. Like, there's pitchers going way, way later than that that have talent and aren't the closer. So, yeah, I think it's hands off for me until we get into like the heart of draft season, and then maybe if if I know he's the guy. And I mean, he is a talented arm, but yeah, I just wonder about some of that. So, I'm with you on this. I think I think he's probably earned the right to have it. But it also wouldn't surprise me to see them bring a bigger name in to come and take that spot and put him in the setup role. Just try to have a good one-two punch. Especially a lot of teams are doing that as of late. Uh, Anybody else from your team here you'd like to cover before we move on? Oh, man. Um, We kind of mentioned Horner a couple shows ago. Don't think I'll be in on him. What about Matt Ver- Mervis? No, not what's, really. What's Matt Mervis's ADP? I know he's right now slated to be in that f- first base role, but I don't think he's going to be going into the year with that job unless he just or, like goes out and shoves yeah, in I, spring training. I was saying I was saying the other day that I could see him going after like Hoskins or somebody. Yeah, I could see that. Possibly. Um yeah, I just think that it would fit, and yeah, it's hard to count on Mervis. I mean, I liked Mervis in the past, and I still do to some extent, but to count on him is kind of tough at this point. So, especially when you're hoping yeah, his AD, his yeah, his ADP is late though. It's four fifteen. I want to say it's right around where I'm at in my draft. Oh yeah, wow, we're at pick four thirteen. So yeah, right there. <laughs> And he's still, I think he's still available. Yeah. So, yeah, I could see them bringing in somebody. Um, maybe they even re-sign Candelario or I don't know. But they'll. I think they'll address first base in some way. I had the Cubs first baseman on the ADP website, and I just was scroll. Oh, I just looked down and I noticed a name at 743, and that would be Frank Schwindel. <laughs> <laughs> There's that guy. Two years ago, Mr. Like won a lot of fantasy leagues for people at the very end of the season when he was going off. And now, ADP of four, 743. He was playing in overseas, like in um, Asia somewhere, wasn't he? Korea or something? Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Hoskins is a free agent, right? Yes, he is a free agent. Yeah, yeah I thought so. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's available. Oh, yeah, and the Cubs... Uh... And then all they got to do is just sign Otani too. Yeah. Do that and you're all set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like every other team. Man. 
All right, let's take a break, and we're going to come back, and we've got the Cincinnati Reds to talk about next. I think we'll be able to have a couple discussions there. All right, the Reds, 82-80, and 80, so they just finished one game behind the Cubs, and this is another team that's on the rise here. Gobs of young talent on this squad, uh, and they've got flexibility. I mean, their payroll has continued dropping. It was $114 million two years ago on opening day at in 2022, down to $83 million in 23, and right now it's projected – to only be $36 million going into this next or next opening day. So they got plenty to, that, to work with here. And a big part of that's Joey Votto after a fantastic career, 22 and a half millions off the books end of an era with him after 17 years on that MLB squad. And I didn't, I didn't put this in the notes. So I'm hitting you up with this right off the, without any prep is Joey Votto a hall of famer. Uh, I'm not the best with because I know that the hall, the Hall of Fame is geared a lot towards career numbers, and I I'm not the best with knowing all of that in I'm comparison to now. in comparison to what other Hall of Famers have had. But I think he is. Yeah, yeah. As I'm looking now, I don't know if I think the totality because I I didn't even look until I asked the question and then looked. I don't think these are going to get him in. Like, uh, still a 294, 409, 511 triple slash for his career. That's just incredible. Triple slash. How many home, how many home runs? 356. I think that's going to be what holds him back from getting in there. But I hope I'm wrong. I think he, I mean, he, he, the problem is he had some, like, he had a couple runs where he just had amazing peaks where he was, you know, MVP caliber player, but there was a lot of lulls in between. So I think that's what's going to keep him out. Yeah, could. Um, other book, other uh, players off the books, Will Myers, $13.83 million off the books, and Harrison Bader, who they traded for, um, partway through the year they didn't pay him this full amount i don't think but he made 5.2 million this last year so the reds roster is loaded with up and coming young talent though did they need to go out and add anything major despite having plenty of money they probably could be spending right now and if so who what where you know i don't i don't really think so uh i think it's i think it's one where they could probably win with this roster or at least be competitive in this division with this roster and then make moves closer to the deadline. I don't think they'd need to do anything too crazy. Um, that said, I mean, if they wanted to, they obviously can, but yeah, I wouldn't be, I mean, t- it, it's a fun lineup. It's a honestly, it's a pretty fun rotation. Even yeah, and in terms of not like great, but I think it's I think it's good enough at least for now. I mean, they'll eventually probably need to add somebody, but yeah, I don't think they need to be like chomping at the bit to add anything too crazy. But 
yeah, I like I like I mean it's a fun fun team. At the middle of the summer with this team was really fun, yeah. I'm with you. I that was my thought process is waiting until mid-season. See what you need. Let these kids yeah. play. You're probably going to be competitive. You're going to be in it. See what you need. I mean, if you want to bring a starting pitcher in, okay, but even then, I mean, they've got a lot of good young starting pitchers there. Like we keep talking about how everybody needs pitching. I mean, they've got a decent-looking young rotation there. And I, th- I mean, I think they even have some others in the minors I, that could still be making it up. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm trying to pull that up real quickly, but I didn't put it in my notes. So maybe, maybe they don't. That's actually projected to make it. This yeah, year. they've got they've got a couple guys, but yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what they do. I, the lineup is super fun. That's for sure. I don't think we've talked much about Hunter Green yet since coming back, since rebooting this podcast. He's had an ERA over 4.4 each of his two seasons in the bigs, but the metrics show he can be a lot better. In 23 this year, he had an ERA of 4.82, but his StatCast expected ERA was a full run below that at 3.82, and you know he strikes out a ton of guys, 151 in 112 innings does have a higher walk walk rate than people would probably like at 3.86 per nine this year his ADP is 110 in the early going so he's an eighth round arm what are your thoughts on green at that price uh, I think it's a it's a touch high for me uh, I I actually in the draft I'm currently in I took two pitchers at the 910 turn and he went the pick before and he was he was like one I was considering. It's obviously this is a little after where you said he's been drafted on average so far. But, yeah, he's always just been a little too high for me. I think a lot of it has to do with I don't really trust the whip. I don't think he's going to be like an efficient pitcher anytime soon, really. Um, I know he'll get the strikeouts. But the other thing is, too, just the ballpark. Like mm-hmm. I'm just – I mean, and I don't – these days especially, I don't want to lean on that stuff too much because if you're good, you're good, and it isn't going to matter that much. But, man, I tell you, pitching guys in Cincinnati these days, it's almost like pitching them at cores like five years ago, you know, or, or even now. It's just I, – I might even be more scared of Cincy these days. It's just so much offense in that park and – I don't feel like it helps any pitcher. So, yeah, I I don't love his like that part of it, the like context of all of that. But he is he is dominant at times for sure. Um, I just wonder about how many like five six inning outings, and then obviously he's an extreme health risk even for a pitcher just with how hard he throws and stuff. So. It's always just a little too costly for me, pretty much. But he's one where if he slipped a couple rounds or, you know, wasn't quite going where expected. I mean, I don't I don't like hate the pick, but there's others that are going after him that I like more. I want to do a him or him with one guy, and that's a guy we talked about last week. Would you rather have Hunter Green or Cole Reagans? Cole Reagans. I think I would too. That says a lot right there because we were bagging on Cole Reagan's 
which last week and especially like his ADP in your drafts was higher. So there's that. Yeah. Like we were talking about that, but Colt Reagan's, you know, 15 picks later there. So, yeah, I will say I, yeah, I based a lot of that on Reagan's going in like round five and round six of my first couple drafts. I mean, maybe I'd be, maybe I'd be in on him, you know, I, I do think it's more appropriate. Like, I think that was a good, a good question, you know, I would take Reagan's, but I mean, I think it's closer than some of the guys he was going next to and the ones that I did. All right. Well, let's move on to my last Reds discussion here. Uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand, he has an ADP in the 10th round. Another one we haven't talked about much. Wouldn't surprise anyone if he went and hit 30 home runs this year. Steamer projects 28. Uh, there are three first basemen with ADPs within a pick of each other right there where Encarnacion Strand is. And I thought I'd ask and see where you'd rank him on, amongst these three guys. we got CES, Christian Encarnacion Strand, that is, against Yandy Diaz, against Josh Naylor. How would you rank those three? I think it depends some on what I need at that time. Um, I probably won't own any of these guys. There's other guys at the position going around. Like I'd rather have Tristan Cassis than all those guys. How close is Cassis um, to them? Uh, I'm not there. sure. I'm not sure with ADP, but in my current draft, he went later than Yandi and CES. You're kidding. But yeah, there's just. Wow. Oh, yeah. I I think looking at the ADP, they're actually, Cassis is typically two rounds ahead of those guys. The thing is, is I haven't looked that close at ADP yet because it's just not enough drafts. Yeah. I've glanced at it here and there, but I'm not like too into it right now because. I'm just looking at the boards like I'm that I'm in, you know, like and yeah, I, I've I've glanced at it, but to say that oh this guy's going ahead of this guy, I, I think it's too early to be really saying that. So um I don't know how I would rank the three. I guess I'd probably go I think for just upside, like Encarnacion Strand has the most power, mm-hmm. but I think Yandy's pretty safe, and Naylor's going to chip in some steals, hit for good average. So, yeah, I think they're all pretty close. I don't, I don't really have a strong opinion on it. Do you? I think I'd take CES for the upside, but on the same note, I agree that he's got the biggest risk on him too. I think I'd take the chance on CES on the three. I've I I I've always struggled with Yandi. That it's just not a guy I like p- plugging as a first baseman. And he did have a great first like m- two months of the year this last year. But the power went away after that. He was one of those guys that, you know, I was really wondering if this is like he's finally like broken out. But yeah, I think I'd go CES first of him, personally. Yeah, yeah, and I don't blame you. I. I'm probably not getting any of this group really, but maybe if like the third of the three slipped or something, possibly. I'm with you on the, if Cassis is going behind any of those guys. Yeah, I'd much rather jump on Cassis. But um, yeah, I I I think I don't I don't expect him to be going around them guys. I'm but maybe I'm wrong. 
All right, let's take a quick. Actually, no, we don't need to take a break. We just took one before the red. So wait, we'll, wait, wait, wait. We got what about like Matt McLean and Noel V. Marte? You don't Ellie? You don't I feel like we've guys? talked about those guys. Which one do you want to talk about? Yeah, I'll go on to any of them. Um, I don't care. We don't have to talk about them, I guess, but they're just all exciting. I don't there. We could talk yeah. for two hours just on the reds alone. If we talked about every exciting player on this team, I think that, but you know, Ellie, I think we've gone into quite a bit. That's why I didn't touch on him. Now, Matt McLean, we haven't talked about as much. And I know I, th- I think you are a bigger fan of him than I am going to be going into this year. Like, what's his ADP at? Sixty-seven. He's the at- number. He's the he's the number five second baseman. Yeah, but I I I think he's in the right spot. Like, who who going behind him would you take over him? So just so second baseman here. That's that's Albie's, Simeon, Altuve, and yeah. then McLean. Yeah, he's he obviously I'm not putting him ahead of any of those four. And he's not going anywhere near them. Then you get into Nico Horner, Kim. Torres. No, no chance. I'm. T- yeah, like, no way am I taking Nico Horner over. I don't you? think. I don't think I am either. No, I. I honestly don't hate it where he's ranked among second basemen. I just don't know if I feel quite comfortable taking him there. I think I'd rather go a different route. Yeah, that's fine. I get that. I just. I. I don't know. He, he's got he strikes out quite a bit and i just wonder if like because he finished with a pretty good batting average a 290 batting average and i'm you know he you know he's projected to be more like 255 next year and i guess you get 23 and 18 with a 255 average that's still solid but yeah i don't i don't think he's gonna like kill you in batting average or anything and he had a really good track record of taking walks in the minors and he didn't, but there was also his rookie year. All of those could improve. And if he does, he's, he could have a heck of a year. So I, I don't hate it. I just don't know if I'll be the one grabbing him there. Uh, I haven't done a draft yet. Maybe after I'm doing a few of these drafts, I'll feel differently because we talked about middle infielders and how ugly they get whenever we were talking about the, you know, a couple a podcast or two ago about them. You know who I won't be drafting Who's this year? TJ Friedel. Oh uh, yeah, I th- let's talk about him. I, they I have we... him. They have him at the top of the lineup, and they somehow have him projected for 18 home runs, which I would, I would put anything on the under on that. I, I know, and he hit 18 this past season, but it's not happening again. Under easily. Um, this is like a classic example of a guy to me that is a light hitting player that is probably at some point going to get replaced. Had a great, he had a really good season last year, but I just don't, I just don't believe in it. I don't know. I just do not believe in him at this level. And he's getting like, I think he went at like the eight, nine turn in my draft. Hmm. No, no chance. Like I'm just not doing it. Big I don't one. think he's gonna stick at. I don't think he's gonna stick at the top of the lineup on a pretty good team. I don't think he's gonna hit for enough power. Like yeah, I guess if he sticks there and runs, and I mean, I guess he could return some value. But reminds me of how I felt about Stephen Kwan last year. I just don't want any part of it. You know who I think of when I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at the underlying stuff is Andres Jimenez. 
and Jimenez had his struggles last year. You know, you're right about the light hitting. He's got a, and like Jimenez, he's got a pretty good launch angle to where he does have an uppercut swing. And what he does have that Jimenez doesn't is the great American ballpark to hit in. So he's got that going for him. If you can hit for a launch angle in that tiny park, maybe you hit for more home runs than you think. Like, how many home runs would you project him for? Like 12. 12? Yeah. Yeah. And I and I feel like that's if he sticks. Yeah. And I don't think that it's a lock that he sticks either. Yeah, that's like I think that's fair. I think that he's a guy that could have a bad April. I, I'm not saying he'll have a bad April, but if he did, I feel like he's a guy that could quickly turn into a bench guy slash platoon guy slash sent down to the minors. Like, I just don't, I don't think that he has leash for anything like him being at the top of this lineup. He's arguably the worst hitter in the entire lineup. How is, how will he hit at the top? You know, it's just every single guy that I'm looking at, I feel like is better than him. (laughs) So I don't know. Yeah. He'll be one. I'll be wrong on if he's good. I just don't believe it. Yeah, I, I get the point. Uh, eight nine turn is an early, early price to pay for him. So, I'm trying to pull up his sprint speed right now. I'm curious on what what that is. Not that that's the be all end all. His twenty seven skills was impressive, but anyways, I, yeah, light hitting but good ballpark. Uh, I think that'll be an interesting case to talk about with him next year. Seventy fourth percentile on sprint speed, but with the new rules, if you know how to steal bags you can do that so okay well we talked about him any other reds you want to touch on no yeah we're good okay let's move on to the pirates 76 and 86 and you know they are interesting but thank god pittsburgh has the steelers that's one thought that went through my head as i was just thinking about this organization and what they've put their fans through uh you know the steelers have at least given them hope over the last few decades because the pirates they had that run where they made the playoffs two or three years in a row and got i don't i don't know if they even want to like they played the wild card game and i think they lost it every year i know one of them was to the giants i specifically remember buster posey hitting a big three-run homer in one of those games knocking them out but um that said for the pirates 76 and 86 is a good season and for that org uh is there hope for this team in the short term I think they're doing some good things. I mean, they've got some pieces in place and they're not all the way there yet, but yeah, I think there's some hope. I agree. They have quite a few good pieces on the rise. They've got some that just made it up. Uh, Looking at their payroll and their financials, uh, they spent their opening day payroll in 2022 was 55 million. It was up to 73 million big spenders this last year. And right now it's projected to be at 48 million. So they could spend, but I'm sure they're just, I mean, this is the dollar store shoppers. They've, they don't hand out money. So I don't know if they're going to be out there doing much, but um, the only free agent they have off the books right now is Andrew McCutcheon that I was seeing at 5 million. The rest of the names are guys like Vince Velasquez. So, in other words, nobody but Kutch. 
I wanted to talk about Mitch Keller first as I was thinking about who to talk about. I brought him up on the episode where we discussed second half swings and production. He was awesome in that first half with an ERA at 3.31, but he struggled in the second half with a 4-5 and record, 5.59 ERA, and his ADP is 161, which means there are some pretty good arms going around him. Uh, just to list four others I saw right in that range, Christian Javier, Jordan Montgomery, Michael King, and Merrill Kelly, all of them going within five picks of Keller. Do you think Keller belongs in that group? Do you think that's about right for him, or do you think he should be higher or lower? I would take all those guys over him. And probably a bunch more. Yeah, I I don't think he belongs here. That second half. So is it more the second, like what you saw out of the second half, just still not a, like, why is that? I really believed in him. He's bad in the second half. And it was kind of like when he was pitching well in the first half, didn't really believe in, in him then. So just kind of waited for the down, you know, him to fall off. And it obviously happened. Uh, yeah, I, I just think these guys are all better pitchers. Definitely those four that you named. So there's, I don't have a list in front of me, but there's probably a ways you could go down before I would say, yeah, I'd take him there. One thought I had when I was looking at Keller also, which I don't disagree with you, but I got a hot, I got a hot, I got a hot take with okay. this team. Okay. I Let's... think I would take Paul. I think I would take Paul Skeens over him. Yeah. I'm on board with that. Is that, I think, is that crazy? I think it might be crazy. I mean, I don't know, their ADPs are eight. Like, I think they're 80 difference in, so we're talking five or six rounds, but I'm with you. I'm probably not the right person to be on this podcast with you to to agree with that. I'm really big on Paul Skeens and taking him this year. So no, I think I'm with you on that. But I yeah, think we're I think in the minority. I, I mean, I know I know Keller's going to throw more innings in the bigs, most likely, but I, I just kind of look at Keller like just a guy. Like to me, he's just a guy, and if he's just a guy going in round eleven. I can get just a guy going in round 25 and starting pitchers, you know? So give me the guy that could shoot all the way up. I mean, there's pitchers going in the very middle rounds, like round 20 to 30, that I feel like could be comparable to Keller. So, I, yeah, I just, I just won't have him at all unless this dr- price drops significantly. One way I could get in on him is something I wanted to bring up. He only has two years left before he's a free agent. And the way Pittsburgh plays, it wouldn't shock me, especially with all these pitchers on the up and coming. I think they might wait until middle or end of next year before they move him, but I wouldn't rule out them taking offers and and possibly moving him, especially with so many teams looking for pitching. And I've I've seen this story a few times with some of their – because I think Keller was a first-round pick, wasn't he? I'm trying. I don't, I don't know if you know that. Um, I'm trying to pull it up. I know. No, he was a sure second-round pick in 2014. He was a second-round pick, but he was a pretty well, like big-name prospect as he came up and has been a disappointment. And when I think of that, I think of Tyler Glass now and Garrett Cole coming up through these same organizations and never reaching their potential until they got out of Pittsburgh and. I, 
I, I just wouldn't be shocked to see the history repeat itself again with Keller. I think that there's still a lot of potential in there that's just not been fully unlocked yet. Um, Moving on here. Indy Rodriguez, he's got an ADP of 296, catcher number 24. He had a lot of excitement coming off of hitting 25 home runs in 125 games in the minors in 2022. And this year, between AAA and the majors, he hit nine home runs in 124 games. So, obviously, that's much more disappointing. I was I was kind of intrigued by him going into this year. And my question, is this a buying opportunity for him in either redrafts or dynasty leagues? Like, are you in on that price in redraft? And would you be, do you think, do you think he could be, he's, do you think his market's down in, in dynasty? It's definitely down from where it was a year ago, I think. Um, I think it could be a buying opportunity. Yeah. I, I feel like this is a really big season for him, just in terms of his value going forward, because. He had a really good season the year before this past year. And this year, pretty underwhelming. And now you have Henry Davis up there as well, who was more impressive than Andy. And granted, Davis can play outfield catcher. You know, he can kind of split, do both, whatever. But if Andy is bad... I think you could quickly see Davis just being the catcher and that would, um, yeah, that definitely would not be good. I mean, the the biggest fear I feel like with Andy is Henry Davis is the catcher and Andy just has no role mm-hmm. or at least it turns into like a MJ Melendez situation where they have to use him somewhere else. And you know he'll he'll probably catch enough to have it next year. You would you would think you would hope, but I don't think anything's a lock really with him. I just think it's a big year for him. I still think he could be good. I don't mind this price. I think it's fine. Catchers are bad, and I don't mind investing in a guy that probably is going to play at least early on, and has a little bit that you can dream on. You know, it, catcher when you're at catcher number twenty four any hint of excitement is a good thing, you know? So I don't mind the cost, but I, I think there's a chance that he just isn't good too. You know, it's a lot of unknown. I think it's a big year. And I think what he does this year will kind of really determine his value into the future, especially for dynasty needs to get more barrels. That's the big thing for him looking at him, you know, Exit velocity is not terrible. Launch angle, he definitely has the uppercut swing going. He just got to barrel the ball more. That's the big thing for him. Uh, so you mentioned Henry Davis, and I did read a quote that said they were planning on, like, you know, he only, what did he say? There was only, he, d- he doesn't have catcher eligibility going into this offseason. Right. And yep. I did read a report saying that they were planning on using him as a catcher. Maybe they didn't say full time, but they said he would be catching. So he's that experiment's not over. He had 19 homers and 13 steals in 117 games between Double AA, A, Triple A, and the majors this year. And Steamer does project him for a 2.44 batting average with 17 homers and 10 steals. So his ADP right now is pick 324, but he's only outfield eligible 
what do you think about that price? You know, you'd be taking him as a fifth outfielder, but possibly could be putting him a catcher by midseason, maybe even earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's intriguing, definitely. Um, especially because he's only going here because he doesn't have catcher. Mm-hmm. And if he did, and if he did, he'd be going higher for Much sure. Higher. So yeah, I I think it's interesting, definitely. Um, I I also don't know. I think it's a little dangerous to like count on him to get the eligibility or when he'll get, you know, like yep. he may get it, but it might not be till June yep. or something. So I do think though, what do you think of this? So in a typical draft and hold, you're taking how many catchers? How many do you draft? Uh, Three to four typically. So I typically draft four. I think four is normal, yeah. but you usually try to get four. Do you I- think it would be okay though to, draft three if you drafted Henry Davis hmm. who could potentially become a fourth I mean he should right like you he should think. get it at some point yeah yeah I think I would be I think that would do that yeah I think I would I think I would be able like if I got him I I think that I would just treat him as you know obviously you want to make sure your catchers are covered but if assuming you had two catchers don't say you know because uh, we don't know when he's going to get it, but I think it would be okay to draft three if I had him. I would want I that think third one it. to be somebody I felt pretty confident in. In other words, I'd be aggressive to try to get that third one early. I'd say that. Yeah, I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would care about that because then if you're doing that, then it like defeats the purpose of when you're getting Henry Davis's eligibility. But yeah. But if you don't have, I just thought anything I just happens thought to your first two in the first month or two of the season, you're pretty much playing an empty slot. That's that's right. Yeah, that's the fear of it. Yeah, I also, I also don't think it's the end of the world to have a week or two of an empty slot out of a C two. But that's a story for another day, I guess. I say this is a guy who had a lot of Logan O'Hoppy this last year. <laughs> And that yeah. went like I took O'Hoppy and in one league I think I even had a my second catcher got beaten up pretty good too. Or no, it was Trevino. I think Trevino was my three. And so I was playing him in there and then he was hurt and was out a good like the rest of the year to where I had a big hole for a good chunk of the year. That's why I in my in my main event league I started Bo Naylor when he was in the minors, I think for like two weeks mm-hmm. just because I didn't want to hold a third catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, it didn't really hurt me. Like I didn't No, two didn't weeks. Isn't bad. I mean, I had a good offense, but yeah. two weeks isn't bad. The problem is if you're going like a month to two months without it, yeah. that's when I can start hurting. Okay. Well, one last team to talk about, and this is my last place. St. Louis Cardinals at 71 and 91. I went and looked it up because I was wondering when the last time they finished in last place in a division was. And that was way back in 1990 when I was nine years old. And like, that's right about the time I started watching baseball. Uh, that was back when there was a six team division and they were in the NL East. So 33 years ago. That's quite a while. Andrew, like, you, as a lifelong Bears and Cubs fan, yeah, I mean, I, 
have you gone three years without one of your teams being in last place? And I, I mean, I don't think so. That's yeah. I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't, I don't expect you to, uh, but this team just, it's, there's a lot of questions around it. Their payrolls just to get into the business end. 2022, they had a 174, 174 million on their payroll. This year it was 193. Right now it's projected at 166. Andrew, I'd ask you what needs to happen for St. Louis to rebound here, but it's pretty obvious they need pitching. John Mazalik has admitted as much too. He has also said they'll be looking to add arms this offseason, which isn't surprising as their current rotation on roster resource is as follows. Miles Mikolas, Stephen Matz, Zach Thompson, Dakota Hudson, and Matthew Libertor. So, looking at that rotation, they need two minimum, possibly three starting pitchers Yikes. on the squad. Yeah, it's bad. It, it's horrible, but it's also, they moved guys, and Wainwright, and uh, I don't like speaking bad about him, but he was just so awful this year. And yeah, it just, it didn't go well. And then they, you know, they moved Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty got moved and yeah, it just got filled up with the rest of the squad. It, it's, it's ugly, but I think it's going to look a lot different in a couple months. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to go out there and go get some people. Um, so in doing that, you know, they have their payrolls already pretty high for the Cardinals. Like they're not a team that's ever like I was surprised to see they spent 193 last year. So I went and looked at their current players that make a lot of money because I feel like they might need to unload something and wondering if who they could unload. And Tyler O'Neill was the first one I saw. He's projected to make 5.8 million this year on the final year of arbitration before hitting free agency. And I did hear a quote today. Um, somebody re- reported that the Cardinals are willing to like listen to offers on Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson. So, with the log jams they have on their outfield and infield, I even heard the um, Brendan Donovan with the Yankees today was another one I heard. I think they're going to move some of these bats to create payroll and possibly bring in some arms also. So Tyler O'Neill, I think he's the most likely to go. There's Wilson Contreras, who was dealt a lot, who dealt with a lot of scrutiny from the St. Louis coaching staff, from the media, and the fans, just because he came in behind Yadi um, Molina, and he's not Yadi Molina behind the plate. You're a Cubs fan, you know that. Uh, but he's due 18 million each of the next four seasons, so I'm sure St. Louis would love to move him because they've got a couple like fine catchers in Herrera and Kneiser behind the plate that, you know, I think that that would be a fine one to punch, but they're probably going to have to eat some of that money to get him shipped out of town. But the most interesting thing I saw is Paul Goldschmidt, who's in the final year of his deal. He's due 25 million this year. And the Cardinals do have a glut of infields infielders who are in weird defensive positions. And while moving Goldschmidt would mean losing maybe their best bat, I'm wondering if that's something they should consider. So I just threw a lot out there. What are your thoughts on that, any of that? Do you really think they'd move Goldschmidt? No, I don't think they will. But I like I, th- 
I they did say that they would listen to offers for him at the trade deadline this last year, and I believe they truly yeah. would have if they had gotten a re, like a very strong offer. And I think it would take that type of thing again to where they'd have to get a really strong offer. They're not going to just move him to unload salary, I don't think. And I don't. Think I just don't. I don't gonna really give think they're going to. I don't really think they're going to do it in the off season, though. Do you? I mean, see the way I look at the Cardinals. I feel like if you played that season out a hundred times, that season they just had is like the worst outcome. Like yep. it was the bottom of the barrel. And but I don't think that it's a bad team. Like I think they could win the division this season coming up. It wouldn't even surprise me. I mean, they need to do a few things, obviously the pitching, but they have a good team other than that. I, they just had bad outcomes last season and the offense is good. But the defense is pretty good. I don't know. I don't see them as a team. Cause like if you move Goldschmidt in the off season, you're basically saying we're pat, we're not competing this coming year. I don't know. And I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I think they could still move him and take that money spent and even spend more on pitching that they desperately need. I mean, this pitching staff is terrible. No, I know that. Yeah, it is. They and, need, the, and their offense, they, they definitely got enough need bats. That. Yeah, but when you take Goldschmidt out of there, it that's changes. a big loss. It yeah. is. Big loss. So. I think they would much rather move Wilson Contreras, but I just, like, I don't know if that's Yeah, possible. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that more as like being able to overcome, I guess. But yeah, Goldschmidt's just such a rock, you know. And I don't know. I'm not like saying it's necessarily a bad thing. I do think that if it was the trade deadline and they were in a bad position, you know, yeah, maybe then. But yeah, I think with Wilson Contreras, uh, they're probably going to have to eat like half that money. I think that's what it's going to have to take for him them to get somebody interested in taking on the rest of that contract. Because, I mean, I really do think that Herrera and Kneisner, I think they'd be fine as a one-two combo behind the plate for that team. And, yeah, I, I, that's the thing I'd like to see happen personally. Just do that, free up some money, and go go buy a couple pitchers with that money. You don't want him to sign Tyler O'Neill though, a long-term deal? No. <laughs> I've long like I know that's your guy <laughs> Lucas Beery or my buddy Lucas he's him and I talked about Tyler O'Neill a lot I remember when he was a prospect in Seattle and I was telling Lucas how little I liked him then and I've never like whenever he had the big year I think after that big year I was on this podcast saying it would not surprise me if that's the that's his career year and we don't see anything like it again so yes even when he was awesome he was not my guy and he'll he'll hit a homer on opening day if he's on the team because he I think he's hit a homer four opening days in a row or something like that. But then yeah, yeah really? something like that. He's he's had a bunch of them. But he also you know what else he's really good at? Big spots, runner in scoring position, and striking out. I just feel like any time it's a big spot, that guy is not coming through. And I I'm a Cardinal fan. I've got a little more emotion on my sleeve with this. I'll admit it, but. I just, I, it's not, he's not my type of ball player. Yeah. I think, I think he's the type of guy though, that if I could get him for cheap, 
I would be uh, I would be interested. Are you talking fantasy MLB or both? Um, uh, both really. Yeah, I I don't. But disagree. I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm like talking when nobody believes in you. You yes. know, like hot. We're you know, Javi Baez levels. Not quite. Maybe that. But you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Just totally been cast to the wolves. Like you're done. I, I would. I wouldn't mind like Tyler O'Neill being on my team when that's the case. But I I agree with you on not buying high or thinking he's going to repeat a great season and stuff like that. No, I, I don't hate the idea of like if, if a team got him real cheap, I wouldn't hate the idea of that I really wouldn't. And I don't think the Cardinals are going to be able to sell him for much. So unfortunately I think they will probably undersell him. But again, we've got a glut of outfielders. We need to like, even though it's only 6 million, he's supposed to make, I think I'd still rather, him be gone and use that money to try to bring in another pitcher yeah uh let's move on and talk about mason Wynn, who right now isn't even projected to be on the cardinals roster for the beginning of 24 and he's got an adp right now of 335 so that's still a starting player that seems dangerous to me drafting him there what do you think yeah i was just kind of looking at this when you put it in there you you think he won't start the year on the team? All right. You think he's at like real risk of that? I yeah, I do. I honestly don't know. I'm just asking. Yeah, I mean they've got a lot of players on the squad right now. They, I mean, if they even if they move Tommy or Tyler O'Neill, they still got Dylan Carlson. They can stick in there. They've got Tommy Edmond playing short. Brennan Donovan can play second. So can Nolan Gorman. Yeah, I I don't see him being on that opening day roster unless he just goes out in spring training and blows up. I mean, he didn't do much in his chance at the end of the year when he got some games in, and it was a small amount. But I think their lineup. I mean, this they've got a this line. This lineup looks so good. It it? does, isn't it? It's like it's like crazy to me how good this lineup looks. Now, at least on paper. Now they've got guys. Considering they've won seventy one games. A lot went wrong. Yeah. A lot went wrong. But yeah. I mean, it could look completely different in a couple months. Tyler O'Neill could be off of it. Wilson Contreras could be off of it. But even then they've got guys to plug in there to like they've got Dylan Carlson and the catchers and yeah, I I don't think Mason Wynn's gonna like I think it's um more likely than not that he starts a year in the minors personally where's he uh 29th shortstop yeah yeah like javi Baez going 60 picks after he's at least gonna play yeah 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 i don't think i'm in on mason win at that price personally yeah Uh, i don't blame you i i don't i mean even if he plays like how many home runs would that guy hit in a full season? I have no faith in his power at all. Like even if he's to make of it. in the lineup. He yeah, had that just... really big surge. I think it was in July or August in the minors that nobody was expecting to where at the like I don't know what to make of it after he did that. 
because it just felt completely unexpected. I mean, he had 18 homers in 105 games in the, in AAA this year. I just nobody was seeing that coming, and it was yeah. he, it wasn't that way until like July, when then all of a sudden it just blew up. So, yeah, yeah, I I just wonder about a lot of things, I guess. But good hitter. I mean, as like he's really good at putting the bat on the ball, takes walks. I just I don't know if he's quite ready yet, personally. I mean, maybe by the second half of the year, especially if they're not doing well, maybe he's worked his way in there. But I don't think he's going to be in there in the early going. So I'm off that price. Uh, are you interested in any of the Cardinals prospects who might debut in 2024? I've got four of them here: Tink Hence, Thomas Segizi, uh, Takoa Roby, and Victor Spot- Scott. I didn't write their ADPs down, I, but just some prospects that I think have a shot at getting up. If either the season goes wrong or with injuries, what are your thoughts on these four? Yeah, I any of them really could. Uh, I I could see being interested in uh, Victor Scott a little bit late. I, I I don't love him as a prospect, but the one thing I'll say is if he gets in there. Mm. Given where you're going to be able to draft him, it's almost like you're just getting free stolen bases, you know, and it's like there gets to a point sometimes in a lot of leagues at the end of the year where steals is a category that you can really make a move in late. And I could see him coming up maybe late in the year. August, maybe sooner. Who knows? I mean, he could come up sooner, but and then just being a guy that just going crazy on the bases, assuming he's getting on base enough. But it's also not costing you anything. So, yeah, I don't mind him. Game changing late stash. Yeah, right. Just just because it's it's got the potential to be at least per game like really impactful, um, to like alter the standings at the end of the year in steals you know so i yeah i don't mind that with the pitchers it's it's kind of a guessing game i mean hence is the best one but it doesn't mean he'll be up first it's it's hard to say with that so but they could all get a shot just because obviously the cardinals pitching's been rough like we said but i expect that they'll do something this offseason to take care of some of that who would you rather have in a dynasty league hence or roby I think I'd rather have Roby. I think I've I think I've come around on really like liking Roby. Like as a you know you want to know you want to know something? What's that? I picked him up in RM three. Yes, in RM three on the last Fab run of the season. Yeah, he was picked up late in the year in a couple leagues. I I think I think I used I think I used my last like two fab dollars on him or something it was the last fab run i remember i'm like i got an open slot and i just grabbed him yeah and i'm pretty happy about it honestly i feel like it could be interesting his stock's rising you know that was a deal whenever they traded jordan montgomery to the um rangers and that the two guys they got back in that deal i think were sagacy and roby and yeah you know losing Montgomery I mean he was a free agent to be that that 
it's going to turn into a pretty nice deal. Like I remember when they made all those trades, I'm like, well, I don't know if any of these are impact guys, but I'm glad they're at least building some depth. And now all of a sudden, Segacy had a heck of a finish and Roby, both of them did. And I'm excited about both of them, I'm, especially Roby. I, I don't know. I'm just, I really like have, like, I can't remember his scouting report right in front of me right off the bat, but I just, I like what I'm reading about him. All right, anyone else in St. Louis you, you want to touch uh, on before we get out of here? You want to talk about Nolan Gorman's 40 home run season that's about to happen, or do you want to save it for the second base? You say about to happen. I mean, he almost did it this year. Didn't he hit like 37? How, how in the world? So for anybody that doesn't know, I think Nolan no, Gorman is going to be the official, like the guy of this podcast for this coming season. <laughs> Because I know Justin loves him, and I think that I probably love him more. Like, this, I mean, he's the 17th second baseman? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I'm all over it, man. Like, I am all over this dude. I wish he had, I know we talked about it, he finished two games short of getting third base and he would have second base, third base, yeah, which would be nice. beautiful. I was kind of talking to talking to you about how it reminds me a little bit of Muncie just in terms of the, what the output could be like, probably not the best in batting average, crazy power. He will give you, I think a few steals. He had seven this past year. Muncie obviously wouldn't give you any, and he's not as proven as Muncie and stuff, but Man, I, I feel like we could look up at the end of the year and be like, this guy led all second baseman in homers, like pretty easily. I, I don't even – is that even crazy? I mean, I guess maybe Mookie, but yeah, Simeon, I mean – very doable. But, I mean, he's got as much power as anybody. And 27 in like 400 at-bats. I've always liked him. I remember – I saw him in low A, and I remember the next day – we went to the Cubs game, the Cubs Cardinals game. Remember in 2019, oh, yeah. right? Yep. And I remember saying at that game that if you dropped Nolan Gorman, Gorman was 19 or whatever he was, 18 or 19 in low A. And I was like, if you dropped Nolan Gorman at third base on this diamond right here today, he would fit right in. He was like a grown man at that age. Yep. And I just feel like he's coming into his own. Like he had a really good year. Tons of power. Like, you know what you're getting here, too. You're not, like, guessing, like, what am I going to get? You know what you're getting. You're getting power. And there's upside I, more, too. And I feel like he has 40 home run upside at, at second base, which is the biggest thing here. And this is the reason why I feel like I'm really going to want him is – where he's going and at this position where there's all kinds of guys that might only hit like nine to 15 home runs, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, yeah, I, I am all over it until he moves way up. He's going to have to move way up for me to be off. I've said this a lot over the last few years, he makes adjustments and I'm, that's what I love about him is he, he gets in there and makes off-season adjustments. I've seen him do it multiple times. He made adjustments and had a heck of a start to this year. He did struggle in the mid, mid, middle of the year, 
and I just expect him to continue making adjustments and getting better. So, yeah, I'm with you on it. Nolan Gorman, the official yeah. second baseman of Baseball 365 podcast <laughs> this year. Yeah, I I mean, it's the clear guy that if I'm not getting one of the top ones, I'm he's my he's my target. I mean, especially it's just such a good way to build your power too in like those middle rounds. I mean, to be able to put that at second base. I mean, even if he just does what he did this past season, I mean, yeah, maybe you're a little disappointed, but like, not there's at just the price. so much room for growth. Yeah, right. And there's so much room for growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, 27 home runs and 400 at bats. It's yeah, I think you can dream on a ton here. So definitely a fan. Yep. Anybody else on St. Louis? Or are we going to call it call it here with the National League Central? No, I think that's it. The only thing I meant to mention when we were on the Pirates was Brian Reynolds. Oh, yeah. Is just such a – he's such a good pick. Like he's he's the last three seasons finished as a top 60 hitter by uh, auction dollars earned. You know, you just plug in all the – Plug in the format and, you know, standard five by five. Top 60 hitter, three straight years. Top 30 hitter, one of the years. And, you know, it's like round seven. I, I took him in this last draft, round seven, eight, seven, eight turn. But uh, I just feel like he's an easy pick there. Not somebody that is going to finish probably as like a first rounder or second rounder, but just easy value automatic like gonna get it bats gonna not hurt you anywhere a guy that is a is good i like guys that are good builds are good for like any build and i don't think there's a team where it's like brian reynolds won't fit i feel that way kind of about Seiya too i was suzuki. going to it's say like, he he's right just, in the mold of suzuki he's right in the mold like of they Ian have Happ. good power they have good power they have some speed and they should hit for respectable batting averages. And Reynolds even hit like 302 a couple years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't expect that necessarily, but I just feel like those guys aren't going to hurt you at all. And probably I, f- I feel Reynolds has just been undervalued for the last couple of years and just does what he does, and it's like boring production at its finest, but it's production for sure. Like it's just always the always production. So, There's just him. wanted to mention him. Right when we went to the Cardinals, I was like, oh, I forgot to mention Reynolds, but it's like I'll just get to it at the end. So there's, yeah, there's a handful of those outfielders, and yeah, I, he they definitely he belongs in that thing with Suzuki, Hap, moving their way down to Brandon Nemo. It feels like all those guys are those one hundred to two hundred outfielders they're in different spots like they're a couple rounds apart all of them but they're just undervalued like you said good picks yeah yeah and some some of those guys or those guys you named i mean they're they're like i said they're just good on kind of any roster construction Mm -hmm. you know whatever you do you need outfielders and i mean pick which one you like at the spot you like them i guess but yeah i just think reynolds is good pick 
Agreed. All right. Well, somehow, like I thought we might go two hours for this show, and it seems like we're about right at the same length we went for the last one with the AL Central. We managed to talk about the NL Central as long. Uh, Maybe I don't need to tell you that because you could probably go for another hour. I'm surprised. Yeah. (laughs) We're only at just a a little over an hour and a half here. So we're going to get out of here. Uh, I don't think we're going to get started on the AL West next week. I think we're going to um, steamer projections are now out. I actually somehow I made these notes knowing steamer projections was out and I still didn't ask you a question on it. I thought I would, but I somehow didn't, but we're going to talk about some steamer oh, like projections. On, huh? You mean like on their, you mean like on their, uh, somebody's projection like yeah. over under or something yeah i was thinking whenever i yeah. was like well with these out i might end up throwing a few in and i never did when i was looking up no- making my notes which is okay because next week we're gonna talk we're gonna find some interesting steamer projections and just start having a couple discussions because i'm sure andrew you and i both we're gonna find some that are a little eye-opening i think i heard that um did you hear about acuna's steamer projection yet have you seen it uh, I think it was like 38 and 56 or something. Was it? <laughs> yes. Yes. 38 home runs and just a, you know, 56 Seems solid light. bases. <laughs> 84 yeah. runs and home or home runs and stolen bases combined on a steamer projection, which is usually, you know, usually they try being pretty conservative. It's that's pretty amazing right there. Yeah. So yeah, we'll have a we're yeah. gonna have some of those to talk about next week. I think we might do some over unders. Who knows? Maybe we'll even be able to get some three sixty five wagers in there. So sounds good. Until then, thank you all for listening and take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 